Thank you so much, worship team. That song is absolutely perfect for what we're going to be talking about today in the next few weeks as we dive into this idea of renovate. Uh, when I hear the word renovate, I'll be honest with you, uh, I don't get the warm fuzzies. That sounds like work. But it does sound better than remodel or reconstruct or whatever. Demolition. Actually, that's fun. Demolition sounds like, yeah, let's go break some stuff. I found out before the pandemic that you can rent a room to break stuff. People pay to break stuff. You can pay less if you bring your own stuff to break, or you can pay more and they give you stuff to break. I think that business is going to skyrocket after the pandemic. Everybody's going to be like, pandemic's over. I need to let out some energy with some friends. We're going to break some stuff. We're going to demolition. So if you have a renovation project, maybe you could charge people to come help you start your renovation. I'm just here for the ideas, guys. I'm just here to help you get some good business ideas, all right? All right, I'm being silly, I know, but we are going to talk about this. I'm really excited about it. That song we just sang is just so perfect uh, because I think that I think that we are building our lives, don't you? Sometimes very intentionally, maybe sometimes unintentionally. I I find that in my life, I'm less intentional than I think I am. I'm I'm sometimes more going with the flow uh, than I am being intentional. But then there's other parts of my life that I really try to plan out. I really try to map out. I don't know about you, but I think I realize I have a lot of wish lists more than I realize. I definitely keep one on my Amazon account. And I've learned that when I keep a wish list on my account that my wife peeks in and sometimes buys that for me. So I'm going to start keeping that full of stuff so I can get some things that are on my wish list. Uh, But I I think, too, like Sherry and I will be just talking and she'll say, oh, look, isn't this cool? Wouldn't it be great if we could do this in our house? And it's like maybe it's a new flooring. Maybe it's a new paint color. Maybe it's a complete, complete remodel. Um, and, and we kind of look at those things. Oh, it would be cool if one day we did this. Y'all have that too? One day I'd like to be able to do that in your home or in your room or whatever. Now, I think also we do this with our lives. And maybe that's very unintentional or maybe it's very intentional. Maybe you got a, a note on your phone that you got, this is my wish list for my life. That's cool if you do. I think sometimes it's a little bit more subtle than that. We, we don't necessarily catch ourselves thinking this. But we may be thinking, would my life be better if I had that job instead of this job? Or would my life be better if this relationship was more like this than it is like this? Would it be better if I had this kind of income or lived in this place or the list goes on and on? We, I think we do this. And I'm not saying those are bad things because I, I think I feel you're probably saying, oh, he's about to set us up. That's bad. Don't do that anymore. No, I think that's just part of our human nature. Ironically, though, because I think that would fall under the heading of wanting things to be better. And I think that deep down, all of us desire for things to be better. But I think at the same time, we wrestle with this idea. uh, Well, not this idea. We wrestle with our very own um, comfort and complacency. You know what I mean? Like, I I know that not everybody's wired the same way, but I like to accomplish and then be done And then be like, ah, look, it's done. And then I want to stay there a while, actually. (laughs) Like, okay, let's good. Don't give me no new things to do. Let me just enjoy this. Isn't this great? Um, I like that. I like the comfort of that. And I think also there might be those who are like, I don't want to change. I'm very happy the way things are right now. 
I don't have a wish list. This is really good. And so here's the thing. The whole point of this series is to just give us some practical biblical tools to experience real change in our lives. We learned in early December by putting out a survey, we got some responses that of all the, we made this huge list of sermon topics and people could check all the ones they'd like to hear a, a teaching on. And the number one answer was, how can I help myself experience real change in my life? That was a number one response. I think that a lot of people feel stuck. And it might be that they see a change that needs to be made, but they don't feel to, like they have the power to make it. Or maybe they don't know how to make that change. Or maybe they make the change, but then it seems like they go back to what their life was like pre-change. And it's a back and forth wrestling in their life. I think also, though, if you're like, that's not me, I don't feel that right now. This might be important for you to hear also, because what if you're settling for a place that God doesn't want you to stay? What if he's got more for you than what you've ever imagined? So I think this is going to be really important for us to lean into this together. We're going to look in Ephesians 2 together today, just the first 10 verses of that chapter. We're going to kind of carve it up a little bit and look at some really cool things in this passage. And what we're going to eventually get to at the end of our time in God's Word together is we're going to eventually get to what I believe is the first most crucial step to experiencing real change in your life. So if you're watching and listening, if you're here today, and you've been craving change, this is the most important thing to wrap your mind around first before you lean into those changes. If you're watching and listening online or you're here today, and you've like, I don't want anything to change about my life, this is the most important thing you need to hear to ensure that you're not settling into some kind of place of complacency. You know what I mean? So let's dive in together, starting at verse 1 of Ephesians 2. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his Grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when I go back to verse 1, it starts off with, you were dead. <laughs> Isn't that great to know? And, then, and if you read that whole passage, it describes every single person that's ever walked this planet. We were all spiritually dead. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're, that's no longer you now. But before that, 
like every other human being that has ever lived on this earth, you were dead, spiritually dead, tainted by sin, sin in our hearts and in our souls, uh, succumbing to our own fleshly desires. It even goes into a little scary description of, you know, the one who really kind of wreaks havoc in this world, the enemy, the devil, called him the spirit of the power of the air. That's a creepy phrase for the devil, right? We were all there. You were dead. And then in verse 4, two of the most important words you'll ever find in the entire Bible are, but God. You were dead, but God. And that reminds us that real change begins with God. I know, duh, right? (laughs) I think you probably know this already or have heard this already or can at least embrace this or accept this. But don't, don't let this just be, oh, yeah, whatever, move on. Let's give me something else. No, let's park here for a moment and realize that if you aren't starting here, If you're not embracing that, if you want to experience real change in your life, you've got to go to God first. How many times do we actually not do that? I'll confess me way too often. When I want something to be better, I almost try everything else before finally coming to God. When I'm at my wit's end, I've tried everything else. How about about you guys? You with me on that? So what if we started here? Understanding that if we want to experience real change in our lives, we must go to the God who can raise the dead, who can make the dead alive again. That's where we need to start. And then in verse 5, it tells us, after but God, we were dead, but God. In verse 5, it says, he made us alive together with Christ. Awesome news. This is a great description of that salvation moment. When you step into faith in Christ Jesus, Romans 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's that moment where you recognize that all that God has done, this gospel, this good news of Jesus dying on the cross and stepping out of the grave, that he did that personally for you. When you believe that, you call upon his name and say, all right, I believe that. Well, God, please save me. Forgive me of my sins. He makes us alive together with Christ in that moment. But then it goes on to use this phrase in verse 7. And it really jumps out to me because it sounds pretty epic. So that in the coming ages. And it reminds me that you weren't made alive in Christ just to sit on that summit and say, I'm alive in Christ. Awesome. Now what? (laughs) there is so much more. And in the coming ages, I don't know about you, but I don't translate that to mean so that God can do something in my life that makes an impact on July 25th. I think it gives bigger than that. The coming ages, that's like on and on and on and on into eternity. And that's why it's important for us to understand that real change requires an eternal perspective. This is huge because I believe if I were to make a list of all the changes I work on on a regular basis and I were to scratch off the ones that only have a temporary result that aren't going to matter in eternity, I bet I would scratch off most of them. How about you? That's why I've given up on, you know, working on my looks. Because, you know, this isn't going to last forever. This is, this is going to go away. 
So I just thought, you know, let me just chill out on that, you know, because there ain't a lot of work with anyway there, all right? Uh, but anyway, so we, but think about it. All the things we put energy and effort into that we work so hard on, and I'm not saying that if that's the case, if it's temporary, you should never work on those. No, 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 I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is think about that, though, and, and prioritize that and put that in perspective a little bit. If most of our energy is working on something that is pretty temporary, it may not have such an eternal uh, ramification. What if we're missing something there? What if there's something more that God wants to do that we've been missing, that we've not been focused as much on? I believe that's the truth for all of us to some extent, that we need God's help to get a more eternal perspective. A lot of what stresses us and worries us, brings us down, changes our moods, throws us off, really don't matter in the eternal scheme of things. And once we start to believe that, I believe that alone can start changing our viewpoint on our lives. Now, moving on in verse 8, this is my favorite part of the passage, and it might be the whole point of this entire chapter in the book of the Bible here in Ephesians 2. It says in verse 8, and this is not your own doing. I believe this is the main point that God is trying to give to us through the Apostle Paul's letter to the believers here in the city of Ephesus, that I want you to know and understand that you didn't do this. You did not accomplish your salvation, and everything else that is being accomplished is God accomplishing it in you. I like to say it like this. When you got saved, God got started. He accomplished that even. For me, because the reason I know this to be true personally, my experience, is that I heard the gospel so many times for years before finally believing in Jesus Christ. What made the difference? I, mean, there's, I probably cannot even wrap my mind around what made the difference. But what I do know that is different is that I had this awakened moment that I could not explain. It was like when I heard the gospel and accepted it, and prayed and asked Jesus to save me, that time, it was like God was telling me that, not just someone else speaking it. My, my soul awakened to the gospel. And the only way I could have rejected it is by rejecting him. And that was different. And, and, it, and, and it's the best way I know to describe that moment. I, and maybe you've had that moment, and you can remember that too, or maybe you were so young you don't remember all of that. But suffice it to say, the whole point here is that that was even God. We talk about taking a next step of faith. It makes it sound like we're doing it. But the only way we can take a next step with God is that he woos us to him by the power of his Holy Spirit. And you know what's great about that? It's awesome. It's like the power of God made that happen. He's at work in you. If you're even thinking of spiritual things, that's the power of God in your life. That's the Holy Spirit whispering in your heart, speaking to you. And to me, I still don't feel worthy of that. And because of that, I tend to not think that. You know, we want to dismiss it as a bad pizza or something. I don't know, what am I, whoa, what's going on? I'm feeling weird. No, no, no. What if God is getting a hold of you and wants to do something in your life? And, and, and listen, when you got saved, God had already started, but he's also just getting started. Your salvation moment is only the beginning. Look at what it says in verse 10. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. And this is mind-blowing, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What? God has some stuff for you to do. And he already had that stuff prepared for you to do before you were born. Before you came alive in Christ. Does that not blow your mind? That God has already dreamed a dream of what he wants you to do in the eternal story that he is writing? That's amazing to me. God has always had a plan for you. Hey, you might as well write it down and mark it down and sometimes get it out and read it and remind yourself of that. Because there's going to come days when you don't feel like that's true. But it's true. His word says so. He has always had a plan for your life. He's always had a plan. And that's why I think this is what we need to start thinking about. If we really want to experience real change in our lives, then instead of maybe, I don't know, thinking about what we want and finding out a path to get there, what if instead we maintain a close relationship with the one who made us? And rather than create my own dream, your own dream, join God in his dream for you. And I even feel a tension as I say that because I sound like a dream crusher. Stop dreaming your dreams. I'm like totally wiping out every graduation speech that's ever been spoken. Dream those dreams. Dream big dreams. I'm not really saying that, but I, 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 here's what I would say. If you're dreaming dreams about your life, make sure they align with God's dream for you. Hand him those dreams and say, I feel like maybe this is what you're about to do, but, but, but Father, but God, you made me. And it says in your word, you told me that you already have works that you prepared beforehand for me to do. So if the dream that I'm dreaming is not your dream, then I don't want any part of it. How about praying that? That's a different mindset, isn't it? That's a totally different mindset to do that. Galatians 2.20 says, this is Paul. He wrote this to the Christians in Galatia. I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's a different way to live. And friends, I don't know about you, but I don't think that I can quote that verse and say that that's 100% true of me. I'm on a journey to get there. But have I crucified every part of my life so that it is completely in surrender to God? So here's the next step, and, and we've been building up to this. This is the big point. This is the big thing I want you to take home with you today. This is the big thing I want you to remember today and all through this week. I believe this is the first most crucial step to experiencing real change in your life, and here it is. Make God the owner. Make yourself his subcontractor. Make God the owner of your life. Make yourself his subcontractor. We did a big remodel of the other building uh, to, to renovate kids' space and student space, and I learned so much going through that process. It's a big deal to go through it. I remember there was a moment when the wrong paint color was being painted on a wall. We're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Turns out we had signed off on this big book that said everything about the space 
I mean, it had like this wall and its exact measurements, and it had a number that matched the exact color that goes on that wall. You know whose fault it was? Wasn't that painter's fault. He's a sub. I'm just doing my job. Says to do this, I did that. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the process where we were dreaming our dreams, just sitting in a room with a couple of architects saying, how can we make this space safe and effective for kids, safe and effective for students to really reach Northern Kentucky with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And eventually it resulted in these plans that came down to a, a list of every single wall, every single floor, every single ceiling, every single wire is the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's the relationship. We were the owners, and we had said, this is what we want. Well, we changed our mind. We decided we want a different color. <laughs> but here's the thing. We live our lives, most of us, the other way around when it comes to our faith journey. We are the owner. And then we talk to God and say, here's what I want you to do. <laughs> I want you to color that wall this color. No, wait, I changed my mind. I want you to change it this color. <laughs> and you know what? I want you to demolish this and build this. And then we long for God to accomplish our dream for our lives. And when it doesn't kind of happen the way we want it to happen, we wonder where God is. We wonder why he doesn't hear our prayers. What if the issue isn't that he is not there and he doesn't hear our prayers? What if the issue is we started in the wrong place completely? We need to go all the way back to the starting point and say, okay, God, you're the owner and I'm your sub. You tell me where you want me to go. What if we, what if we were to begin to pray this prayer daily to God? God, I'm yours. This day is yours. I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will say whatever you want me to say. The great D.L. Moody has this famous quote. He was a, an amazing evangelist back in the late 19th century, known for his great work in Chicago. And he said this, the world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. By God's help, I aim to be that man. And I believe he's right. Probably on our best day of submitting and surrendering to God, we may not be 100% fully emptied of ourselves, crucified to ourselves, but we can work towards that with his help. And that's what I'm asking you to do today, is to make a decision today that says, okay, starting today, I want God to be the owner of my life. I will now declare him the owner and I'll be the subcontractor. I will do whatever he wants me to do. I will go wherever he wants me to go. This requires faith. This requires relinquishing control. Things we're not good at sometimes, but with God's help, you can do this and it will change everything about your life. Even if you thought you were in the best place you could be, what if God has more for you? And if you're in a bad place right now and you've not been able to figure out a way to a different, better place, this is, I'm telling you, the way. Make God the owner. So here's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to invite you to just talk to God. 
And it's up to you to call him what you want to call him. Are you going to call him your owner today? It's up to you. This is between you and the Lord. If you've never done that, if you've never submitted to his ownership in your life, this is your chance. And if there's something going on in your spirit right now that says, man, I need to do this. The enemy would not get you to think that way. That's the Holy Spirit saying it's time. It's time for you to experience the great eternal works that I prepared for you beforehand to do. And it starts now. January 24th, 2021 could be the beginning of a brand new journey where God is in control and he dreams the dream that he has already had for your life and you get to live it. So everybody bow your head. If you're watching, listening at home and you're hearing this, pause what you're doing, stop what you're doing, bow your head too. What are you going to call God today? What are you going to call him? What role does he play in your life? Is he your subcontractor or is he your owner? Father, in this moment, we come before you and we probably just need to start by saying, we are so sorry that we have tried to own our own destiny, own our own life and just get you to do the work for us. We have heard from your word today and it's time to reverse the roles. And Lord, we submit to your ownership. Father, I will go wherever you would have me go. I will do whatever you would have me do. I will say whatever you would have me say. I will not worry about the consequences. I will not worry about my own well-being. I am yours. Lord, help me to have that faith to do this. Help me to let go of control to experience your dream for my life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. On the screen, there's a number. All you have to do to let us know if you took some kind of step of faith today is to text next step to 77411. Why is this important? You know what I've learned? When I do something big and different in my life and keep it to myself, it'd be easy to walk away from it. And maybe that was just an emotional moment. You know, but if I tell someone, God's doing something in my life, and I think that this is what he's about to do, then I got someone to pray for me. I got someone to encourage me. I got someone to help me be accountable to that. And maybe I'll actually stick to the journey. So let someone know. Let someone know that you're with today if you want to. But let us know too so we can be praying for you, all right? So before you get in that car, before you click off of this, text next step to 77411 so we can encourage you and pray for you, all right? Thank you for joining us in worship today. Y'all be safe out there. Stay warm. God bless you, and we'll see you next time.